0: Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the many blessings that you've given us. We're thankful for the sunshine today and for the hints that we see of summer coming. We're thankful for the blessings that we have in this land. In spite of the the challenges, we know that we face as a as a country as a group of believers as those who live in this world living out our lives in this time we pray that you would help us to be mindful of the blessings that we have and to focus on all that you've done for us and we pray that you would be with us in this day that you would help us to Examine our hearts, that you would help us to look and see where we can release our complaints or murmurings to you, that we can be renewed in our spirit and in our mind, and that we can live our lives in a way that would honor and glorify you and shine for you in this world that we live in. All these things we. Thank Thee for and pray in Jesus' name, amen. So last night I had a dream, and I dreamt I was preaching this morning, and I was going to preach out of Psalm 122, and I opened my Bible, and there were only 121 psalms in it. Uh, fortunately, there was a little girl in the crowd and she came up and she gave me a verse to read and I read that and in spite of my, in spite of my failings, the Lord seemed to speak through that and so I will, I will take encouragement for that, from that this morning. I've been trying to think about what, what verse I should start with or where I should begin because the message that I'm talking about is, I think, very much tied to our Bible class lesson that we we had on murmuring and complaining, and perhaps it's the it's the uh, macro or the uh, the ultimate the ultimate result of murmuring and complaining, as opposed to the the uh, micro transgressions that we have when we are upset about the traffic or the other things that we face in this life. I'd like to read the entire chapter of Ephesians 4. I'm going to concentrate mostly here on the end verses, the last verses in this chapter. But I'm going to read the whole chapter just because it was such an encouragement to me when I read it. Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascendeth up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it, but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descendeth is the same also that ascended above, far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together, and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working, in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body, unto the edifying of itself in love. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness." even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We just finished with the Easter season, but there's a, a part of uh, some parts of the Friday night service that keep coming back to me, and especially when Brother Mike was talking about the thief on the cross. So I wanted to start today talking to you about the thief on the cross, but not that thief on the cross. I wanna talk about the other thief on the cross. Because ever since Good Friday, I've been trying to think about why, why did only one of the thieves receive the blessing that this today you'll be with me in paradise? Why Why was there only one? What kept the other thief from responding in the same way? So, I've been running through a list of things in my head. One is kind of a, a pride, and perhaps pride, maybe that's, maybe that's the reason. Obviously, we don't know. But something maybe tied closely to pride, uh, tied to somewhat, I believe, to what we discussed in, in Bible class today, that keeps coming back to me and hitting home, is bitterness. Now, how do we define bitterness? We talked about murmuring and complaining in Bible class I think in some ways that maybe murmuring and complaining is, if we do that for long enough, that it turns into bitterness and has longer-term ramifications. Here, uh, the Apostle Paul said, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. If we look in Hebrews... In Hebrews 12:14 and 15, it says, Follow peace with all men, and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled." So we start out maybe with murmuring and complaining, and this starts to take root, this root of bitterness that the apostle talked about in, in Hebrews. And this can become very, very pernicious in our lives, Very starts out with a, a tiny growth, the root, but it can take root and grow and overtake our lives. And not only can it overtake our lives, but just as the Israelites murmured and complained, we can take that root and we can start transplanting it to other people's lives. As the Apostle said here, and thereby many be defiled. So bitterness is something that we really need to look out for in our Christian walk, and it's something that we Best is best de- dealt with uh, while it's uh, only murmuring and complaining, perhaps. If we look at uh, examples of, of people that uh, felt bitter in the Bible or experienced bitterness, again, going back to uh, Friday night before Easter, we see Peter. And Jesus turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. So in this case, we see uh, a bitterness as a a sorrow, Uh, obviously something here that isn't something that was, uh, took a long time to develop necessarily, but Peter imagined this, how he had promised his loyalty to Christ, even unto death, you know, just earlier, and having to go and experience this and suddenly being called, just having Jesus look at him and seeing that, you know, realizing that he had denied Christ th- three times, If we go to Acts, in the 8th chapter, we see Simon the sorcerer who came and professed his faith in Jesus and wanted to give his life over to Jesus and yet still had this root of bitterness in his life, this root of perhaps a jealous bitterness where he wanted the power of the Holy Spirit enough that he was wanting to offer money for it. And he was called up short and was told uh, that he has neither part nor lot in this manner and that his heart is not right in the sight of God and that he should repent of this wickedness and pray, God, that if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee, because I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. So bitterness perhaps takes many different forms but the the question is is how do we deal with how do we recognize bitterness and how do we do we deal with bitterness A lot of times bitterness comes because we haven't forgiven others. And we know that Jesus talks about how when Peter came to him and said, how often should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Till seven times. And Jesus says, said unto him, not seven times, but seven times, 70 times seven. So... In relieving bitterness, to get rid of bitterness, one of the things that we have to do is to to forgive. And the struggle that we have sometimes is knowing, well, what am I bitter really bitter against? What is the what is the root of this, and what do I need to forgive? And I think, looking at for examples in the Bible we we see forgiveness on perhaps four four different uh, four different levels or four different types of forgiveness that's expressed. We usually think of forgiveness as where Peter talked to Christ is you know we need to forgive someone else. We need to forgive another individual and for example, we have we have uh, Paul and Barnabas in the in the Acts, where they had such a difference of opinion over taking John Mark with them on another missionary journey that they split up and went their separate ways. So we see a, a conflict, a relational conflict there that was uh, difficult. If we look farther in the New Testament. Uh, we don't know, we don't ever read whether Paul and Barnabas ever came together and experienced forgiveness for this from each other. But we do see that in Second Timothy, of course, that uh, chapter 4, verse 11, that the Apostle Paul told Timothy that, you know, that Mark was valuable and it was valuable to him. Read Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. So he asked Mark to come with him. At this point, the Apostle Paul was in probably sixty-four A.D. as best we as best we know from. Uh, History which we don't have much of, but is thought that Barnabas had passed away, had been martyred already in 68 a d four years before this, so we don't know what what transpired uh, between Paul and Barnabas, but here we see towards the end of his life that Paul again is trying to uh, is trying to make sure that there is no longer any root of bitterness here, that there is forgiveness, and expressing his uh, desire to see John Mark again. Now, those of us that uh, have lived life have probably experienced this. There are other things, and again, many of us have experienced this in a first-world problem type of way. There are organizations that sometimes bother us, that we sometimes become bitter against. Uh, Take our customer service experiences for example. So when we have certain customer experience, customer service experiences that are more uh, negative, we often uh, store up this this bitterness in in our hearts. Uh, I think especially of uh, my personal experiences with almost all government organizations. I I have these roots of bitterness that uh, my family called me out on the other day, and uh, made me start thinking about this more deeply. Right, uh, the IRS, the DMV. Although the DMV before COVID had had become much. Uh, much better at customer service and, of course, my most recent experiences and many others' recent experiences with the, uh, the airline industry, right? So perhaps from a, you know, from a deep-seated spiritual issue, perhaps these are the, the, least, the least of our worries. But nevertheless, we have this nebulous feeling of bitterness towards a group of people that we are, are not maybe even personal to us. If we look at examples to this, uh, if we look at Jesus forgive, forgiving uh, his forgiving the people, the Jews on the cross, we have Stephen forgiving those who stoned them. Uh, perhaps this is a, close a much more a much more deeper uh, third world problem, if, if we would want to say it that way. That Jesus and Stephen were able to overcome this a potential bitterness towards a group or organization of people you know if if we've worked for a company for a long time in my uh, younger years uh, when i was a newbie in the corporate world i was dealing with all these coworkers who were these crusty older guys and they had grown up on the assembly line in caterpillar and uh let's just say our, our life experiences were 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 very different. And I kind of hoped that you know I I could never see myself as one of them. Uh even though I didn't grow up on the assembly line, as I got older in work, I experienced though some of these things where I would become, I struggled with my my work situation where you would see things happening and you would see repetitions of previous patterns and you'd say, well, why why doesn't the company deal with this and why why this and why that? So again, uh, there are are groups or organizations that we, we may need to forgive, even if they may be somewhat faceless to us, if we are railing against the bureaucracy or not even imagining specific people you know, I believe that you know, Jesus and Stephen were forgiving not only those they knew, of course, Jesus knew everyone, but that they were doing a blanket forgiveness of those that were standing against the gospel uh, in Stephen's example, and that those that were were had contributed to Jesus' death in his example. A third type of forgiveness that we need, and this is often associated with the other ones, is a lot of times, if we're honest with ourselves, we become bitter with God. Just as the children of Israel did in the Bible class, you know, they railed out, they, they, they were angry with Moses, right? But in reality, they were angry with God. In, in, in reality, they had bitterness towards God in their hearts, and we, we look at uh, perhaps the one who in the Bible that would have the most reason to be angry specifically with, with, with God. We look at Job and we see at the end of Job's trials how he expressed his... how he expressed this. Then Job answered the Lord and said, this is chapter 42 of Job, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee and I will speak, I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. You know, I think I think one of the, the beautiful things about the, the book of Job is that Job was careful how he spoke to God, how he spoke, but on the other hand, he was also honest with God, and it's important, I think, when we feel that when we see we're developing bitterness towards God that we have to remember that sometimes we we want to hide this or we want to we not we want to not we don't want to be honest with God we don't want to say God, yes, I'm getting bitter, and really at the root of this it's you, uh, maybe I want to blame others, maybe I want to you know, blame a specific person, maybe I want to blame groups, or organizations, but you know, ultimately we have to deal with the, the fact that you know our we God God obviously doesn't need our forgiveness, but we need to deal with the the pain or the the discouragements that we feel and be honest with God and be able to bring those before him and yet at the same time realize that God is in control, that God has has that uh, forgiving power for us, that God understands what we're going through, through Jesus, his son, that he sent uh, to be our atoning sacrifice, that God understands that and needs us to be honest with him. If we're not honest with him, we can't experience we can't experience that forgiveness we can't release that root of bitterness and finally perhaps sometimes the most difficult to forgive is ourselves can you imagine peter can you imagine how peter felt after he denied christ I would have a hard time forgiving myself for that, right? And one of the things that Jesus made a purpose, uh, made a point of here, you know, was when he was resurrected, was to specifically say, specifically single out Peter, tell Peter and the disciples that I'm going to meet with them in Galilee. and we know that jesus took peter aside had that personal conversation of him with him where he asked him if he loved him we know that jesus went out of his way to i think to help peter work through this to forgive forgive himself for this this denial So if we look at releasing this root of bitterness through forgiving, the difficulty we have as humans, I think, is that we'd like to say, easily say, well, I forgive you, or want to feel, okay, I'm forgiven. The challenge, I think, with bitterness is a lot of times it's been allowed to grow, a lot of times, it's difficult to understand its depth. To understand how deep these roots might be going in our lives, and as I looked at it, I was uh, reminded of what uh, I was reminded of how closely bitterness, the cycle of bitterness, if we we're going to release it, how it parallels the stages of grief. And a lot of times, you know, we think about grief. Grief comes because we, we've lost a loved one, uh, maybe we lost a job or a relationship, or maybe we've we've give, been given a terminal diagnosis, a medical diagnosis. There are lots of things that can bring grief into our life and it's difficult to, to get to the end of that uh, line to feel like we're really over that grief. And I don't know, maybe we're not ever supposed to be completely over it. But I think that there's some parallels that we need to look at into how we can release bitterness. The first stage of grief is denial or a shock. You know, this, why did this happen to me? And I think perhaps, you know, that's, that's uh, we're, we're hit with, in bitterness with, here's something that happened to me, someone died, I lost my job, I only have three weeks to live, I've lost uh, a relationship, uh, someone close in my life betrayed me, or someone close in my life is is not supporting me the way I'd like? And I think that's normal, and as humans, we, we expect to be there. And of course, the, the next stage is anger. Uh, that's very normal and human. Uh, we know, of course,, you know, as, as believers, that we're commanded not to sin when we're angry, right and not to let the sin go do, or the sin to go down on our wrath. James, but we also know that one-time forgiveness, that it's hard to wipe out anger in a day, especially if we are encountering something that's more at a macro level. I can, I can usually let a, a traffic infraction go by here in a day. I can usually pretty well be, be free of the bitterness of that but it's more difficult if it's something more deeper, uh, something that we've allowed to fester, or something that's a more significant experience in our life. Third stage, bargaining. Would have, could have, should have. If I'd only done that, if I'd only done this different, I could have avoided all this. I could have, you know, if God would have done this different you know, I wouldn't be in this situation. I wouldn't be feeling bitter if God had done something different, you know, or if my brother or sister in Christ had done something different. If so-and-so, if, if this or that or that. Again, um, I think very normative thinking, but uh, something, a, a stage that perhaps we, we pass through. And then, of course, the, perhaps the lowest point or the worst point, depression. Discouragement. I'm doomed. I'm never going to be able to escape, ex, to escape this bitterness. I can't go on. I've been wronged. I can't. I can't. I can't get past this. You know, at that point, of course, as a as a teenager, and maybe this is uh, synonymous with most most teenagers, but I felt like I, probably looking back, I felt like I probably had clinical depression sometimes. And I don't know, but I was very sad sometimes. It was very, very difficult for me to look out and see that, you know, someday things might be better, that I might have a, uh, you know, some, some, someday, you know, I might not, I might uh, escape the, uh, the, uh, the high school uh, the high school mean kids group and uh, move on into the corporate mean kids group sunnier <laughs> pastors are always ahead but you know in in reality you know at times especially if we're going through this this either grief or bitterness we we come to this we come to these points where we're very discouraged and it's important that you know we seek out counsel from others you know I'm thankful for the uh, the brothers in my in my church, for my parents, for my siblings, that would let me talk some of these things out when I was a teenager, and these are the types of things that we we still need to be able to do to today when we are getting into this this uh, these feelings of of doom and gloom. So, finally, from a wider standpoint, the supposedly the fifth stage of grief, or I think the uh, maybe the fifth stage of uh, perhaps dealing with bitterness is acceptance. Accepting the new reality in our lives. And none of these stages, maybe they aren't sequential like this, um, and I'm not saying the five stages are the be-all, end-all, but there's a, a kind of a pattern that people relate to going through these different stages. And we don't usually come to a sudden epiphany and say, hey, suddenly I've moved from depression to acceptance. Suddenly I've, uh, things are, are getting better or sunnier. And we can't make anybody else. We can't, we can't make anybody else uh, move on. Uh, you can't, I don't get over grief. I don't know that I get over, I don't get over, uh, suddenly get over um, bitterness either. And But there is a certain moving forward that we get to when we're dealing with these situations where hopefully we've, we've processed these struggles that we've, we've had and we've accepted where we are in life. But as believers... You know, sometimes we get pulled back. Even as believers, we get pulled back into these things. I remember when my, uh, I was furloughed from my job. I just heard that, new ter- that terminology recently, so it sounds better than laid off, right? I was furloughed from my job, and I got a new job. It was about a year later, and uh, I thought I had processed all my bitterness from, from losing my job. All of a sudden, I was out shopping at BJ's before Costco, of course and I ran into somebody I used to work with, and I started talking to this person, and the longer I talked, the more agitated I become, the more bitter I started to become, and finally I I better shut this down and go because I'm gonna lose it here, right? And all of a sudden I realized that, you know, here a year later, I've still got this bitterness in me, i still got this, I'm still trying to process this, this bitterness, and I don't. I, I really got to pray about this some more, and I got to go back. And I think that, you know, that uh, we, have to, we have to realize that, again, the roots are very deep and that we need to keep coming back and uh, thinking about that or praying about when we find these roots of bitterness in our lives. I had an uncle... And all my uncles had nicknames. This one was uh, called Abe because he was very tall and uh, nicknamed after Abe Lincoln. And his relationship with my grandfather was frayed uh, due to something that had happened uh, in his young adult life. And he had joined the Navy, and he had been in World War II, and he came back, he got married, got divorced, married the same woman again, divorced her again, found a new woman, married her, divorced her, married her again, divorced her again. Um, uh, we would have family family get-togethers, and this uncle was someone that, you know, if you're going to start at 6.30, if, you're going to talk, if you wanted to start at 6.30, you told him that the event was at 5.30. And the problem was is that the family, uh, he, uh, the first wife, over the period of the two divorces he had been married to for 20 years, and so she was kind of like part of the family. So if you invited her and he happened to show up, which was never given that he, whether he would show up or not, then, if he showed up and she was there, he would become very upset, very angry, and would, would throw a fit and leave the family gathering. So, needless to say, I grew up thinking that, you know, this was the stereotype of a, of a bitter person. Later in life, though, after uh, a life... Uh, His uh, savings were mostly spent on what uh, some people refer to as wine, women, and song. Later in life, he didn't have much money, and he uh, rented, uh, he he got a trailer uh, near the uh, church where my uncle happened to be, other uncle happened to be a pastor, and my other uncle persuaded him to start coming to church. And suddenly, suddenly a miracle occurred. And somehow he was able in his old age to reach out to Jesus and he was able to ask forgiveness. He was able to release all this bitterness that he had about his wives, about his financial matters, about uh, he never had any children. Um, There was just lots of things in life that he was... was, uh, About, and in his old age he was baptized, and his life completely changed. It was hard to me to imagine that this was the same person. You know, you come to church, you see him; he's got a smile on his face, right? What's he do during the week? He's at church. He's fixing things. He's helping out. What else is he doing during the week? He's out. He goes and he takes his, takes his grand, grandnieces and, uh, and uh, grandnephews out and he does things with them. It's like he never gave me the time of day when I was there, you know, his nephew. And, uh, but the Lord completely turned his life around, right? And as I think about the, the two thieves on the cross, you know, I'm thinking they both. Both had equal opportunity and we do not know exactly in the last hours, of course what the other thief might have done if the other thief changed his mind or not. but you know if we can release our bitterness to the Lord, he can do great things in our lives, whether we are unbelievers or even as believers, if we've developed if we've developed bitterness in some way towards our brother or sister in Christ, perhaps towards, you know, places where we work, to external organizations. Uh, Perhaps, you know, people, some people carry a chip on their shoulder about, you know, somehow the, the, the church, the church wronged me, right? In Joel... The Lord promised the children of Israel that he would restore to them the years that the locust had eaten. He said, And ye shall eat in plenty, and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, that hath dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. If we give over our, if we keep, work hard to keep bitterness from coming up in our lives, or if we realize we have the roots of bitterness forming in our lives and we need to get rid of them, if we take those roots to the Lord and we give them over to them, He can restore the years that were eaten, the years that we wasted in that bitterness. And He can make us a new creature and give us the joy of the Lord. And I pray that each of us would be able to continuously do that because, again, releasing bitterness is not necessarily a one-time thing, but something that we have to continue to look for in our lives and continue to give over to God. Thank you.